From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and joining me for this episode is ESPN's Cassidy Hubberth, who is a host reporter for the NBA and the WNBA on ESPN, and is also seen on Buckets on the internet with Rob Perez, uh, aka Worldwide Wob, and uh, also does some work for ESPN's college football coverage and hosts the Sports Center on Snapchat, and is one of the hosts for the Hoop Collective podcast. And uh, Cassidy is another product of Northwestern's Medeal School, which uh, means I'll probably have to even it up by scheduling someone from Syracuse's new house. I think you guys actually... <laughs> you don't have to do that. You I think don't have you, to do that. <laughs> I think you guys keep score. Cassidy, welcome to the podcast. Oh, oh, we do. Oh, we, we, we for sure do. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. And for, um, did you get tired there reading all of my... Uh, uh, titles there. <laughs> you, you know, I, I edited some stuff out, so uh, you know, to, to, to keep it even yeah. shorter. So I, I'll start you out with a, a with a very open ended one. So you you meet someone on a plane and they ask you what you do, and then after you explain it to them, they say, you know, I've been thinking about becoming a fan of the NBA. Should I wait until October to start following, or should I start right now? And what should I be watching for? What do you tell them? Right now. Uh, is really exciting time. I mean, if you're a casual fan or a fan that, you know, knows of LeBron James, really no one else. um, I think this would be really interesting time to like commit to paying attention to what's happening to the league because pre-agency over the years has um, I think really elevated the interest in, in, in in the game. Um, Especially with the, um, salary cap spike and, and, and the moves um, that have defined this uh, super team generation that we're currently in. Um, so I, I just think, um, especially when you're dealing with a free agency that involves LeBron James um, and uh, other players, I mean, essentially CP3 and Paul George, I mean, these yep. are big time players. Um, I'm uh, big time um storied franchises uh you know with the lakers in the mix and um i i just i think it's a it's a fun time to especially be on nba twitter because the rumors are fun reading into every emoji that's sent out by players um reading into uh every tweet um that is a form of recruitment for said players. Uh, I, I just, I, I think that's uh, kind of at the heart as to why um, the NBA is so entertaining is because there's so many levels um, of uh, that you can consume as a fan uh, because across social media and, you know, the, these athletes are, are giving content on a daily basis. Right. And then all like our Twitter detectives, are, uh, are finding new and exciting ways to kind of uh, dissect that information um, for us to be entertained, even when technically the season's over. So if you could script out, say, say the perfect next month of LeBron, maybe a little bit more than a month, how, how does that movie well, play out? What's the ideal, you know, what's the ideal script for you of how it plays out and how it ends? Well, I don't, I don't have a, a I mean, I guess, so are you saying as a media member? Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. Making as, his decision is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a media. Making his decision as soon as possible. Uh, not waiting to the last second. <laughs> because uh, then, you know, then, then all the other chips will fall into place. Um, because, you know, free agency uh, begins with him. 
Yeah, he, I, he needs to be. Um, it, he needs to be the first because uh, that's who everybody wants. That's who everyone's going for. Um, so I would say, uh, selfishly, I would like him to not wait until the, um, you know, 18th. It'd be really cool if he were, you know, made his decision and then came to summer league and then, you know, because I'm doing, I'm, I'm uh, reporting from summer league for all two weeks uh, that it's out in Vegas. Uh, so it'd be really cool if he came out and all the other free agents came out and we knew kind of where everyone was going so we can discuss all those storylines throughout free agency. Uh, I mean, throughout summer league, because to me, that's typically, um, aside from what the rookies are doing, um, talking about moves in free agency and how the landscape of the NBA has changed is, um, you know, really uh, what the buzz and the energy is um, during summer league. So so now I'll ask you as non, non-media member but uh just a basketball savant uh how, how long do you th- how long how long do you think it will take him to actually make the decision when do you think he'll make it i gotta i gotta come on this podcast mom a savant title and then you're reading all my uh my roles i i don't know i you know as a basketball fan let's put it that way as a basketball fan um i would say that i don't care of where he goes because I just I just want the decision to be made and I want him I want him to continue to have a I want him to have another year like he had this year which was truly remarkable to see and I feel very fortunate I was able to see a front row um, seat for a lot of his games and able to talk to him post game and, and you know it felt like I was part of moments um, uh, that he, you know, he was exercising um, his ability to be the best player on this planet. I do, I guess if, if we really had to dig into it, I, I think I would prefer him staying in the East um, just for a little more balance. Right. Uh, but look, I don't have a preference. Um, it's not, uh, you know, I, I just, I just want him to continue to be performing at this uh, a level that we've been watching him perform this this past season because it was truly remarkable. Do, do in in your opinion, just your opinion, do do you think somehow we we somehow wind up underrating LeBron even even knowing how great he is? Do we do we somehow even still underrate him? Oh yeah, I mean we live in a, in a, a day and age where it's just like we're never satisfied and we never appreciate the moment because we're too busy trying to voice our opinions on, you know, you know, what he should or should not be doing. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of it. I've said it on a couple of podcasts, like the the man scored 51, eight and eight. And I've mentioned, you know, what he could have done more in overtime, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) you just take it for granted um, how, uh, how great he is. But um, I just, I, I think, you know, I've often said I'm, I grew up a Bulls fan, and of course, you know, I uh, Michael Jordan holds a uh, special place in my life. Um, he's a big reason why I uh, am in the job I am today because of my passion and love for the NBA, which is centered around, um, you know, the six championships I was able yep. to watch as, as a child. But um, I, you know, I just I think it's hard to appreciate something. And we're constantly trying to compare it to others. I, I think people have a hard time just appreciating um, uh, great for what it is without trying to measure it um, uh, up 
to, you know, other, other standards. So um, I, I hope people appreciate it. I hope people uh, took the time to, to take in every moment that LeBron James gave us in these playoffs. Um, you know, even, even in the, in, in the finals, which were, you know, um, definitely disappointing that it was a sweep, but yeah. I will say that game one, was one of the best playoff games I've ever watched. Yep. So it had everything. And he is, not only is he tremendous, and he is, he is arguably the greatest player of all time. I'm, I'm there now where I, I am not um, opposed to him being in that conversation for a long time. It was hard for me, as I was saying. I was a Bulls fan for, you know, Jordan is number one, which I still feel, in my opinion, he is, but I would not, turn down any kind of uh, argument that LeBron's 1B. Um, I just uh, I, I just think it's um, we should be just appreciating what we're seeing with him just uh, as him also being a, a walking soap opera as well. <laughs> and I think that's just the tale of the time. Yep. You know, and I was like the tangent I was going to go on with, with um, uh Jordan is that Jordan wasn't in this social media age. He, yep. You know, he, every aspect of his life wasn't exposed um, on social media and, and he wasn't, you know, asked about everything that's going on in current events yep. like uh, LeBron James is. And so I just feel like what we should appreciate is that LeBron James always, um, whether you like it or not, or whether you like what he says or not, or like what he does or not, or how he conducts himself. If you didn't like the fact that he wore the cast, um, after game four, <laughs> because why do you need to do that? Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I get it, but at least he's, he's out there and he, you know, he takes the responsibility of being the, the face um, and voice of the NBA. And I think that's what we should appreciate. And it's year 15. Yeah. So uh, we are taping this on June 14th. I'm probably going to post this the morning of June 15th. And then I believe it's on uh, the evening of June 18th. You've got the, uh, the NBA draft preview show. Can you uh, just talk about what goes into the prep for that? And uh, what, what are some things to watch for on uh, Monday night? Well, Monday night, actually I am doing, um, I, I, I had did a, uh, I did a um, mock draft a couple weeks ago. Um, on Monday, actually I'm doing NBA draft on the clock. However, it's kind of like a free agency show mixed with draft gotcha. information. So, um, it's uh, me, Woj, uh, Bobby Marks, and Mike Schmidt, and we're kind of just going through <clears throat> the different teams and their needs for the offseason, which, of course, includes the draft. Um, so, obviously, we've had a number of, uh, you know, stories of just kind of been crossing. Uh, you know, obviously, Woj is going to talk about the situation with the Spurs and, um, you know, the, what's happening with the Kawhi and Pop sit-down, and um, then, you know, what, what, what's going to go on with the Warriors and Draymond and, and um, Clay's decision not to take the extensions and, and things like that that play into um, uh, decisions in, in the draft and in, in what they're going to do as far as trades. And obviously a lot's going to be centered around LeBron James. And, you know, the Cavs can be going into this draft with their number eight pick blind because yeah. they're going to obviously not know what LeBron James is going to do. So the prep really is just, you know, what I do on a daily basis, making sure I'm plugged into everything that's going on um, in and around the league. And then um, also uh, having a good idea of certain players that um, 
these uh, teams are eyeing. And, uh, you know, there's a big story right now out about Michael Porter Jr. having hip spasms. You know, we're going to uh, basically cover the league as a whole. So it's going to be, um, which in this point in time, which is a lot. I mean, it's free agency. It's draft. It is. It is, like I said, it may be the regular season may, may not be going on, but it is a hot time for the NBA. Yeah, so uh, you, you mentioned that you're going to be in uh, Las Vegas for the, for the full summer league. What are those two weeks? Can you, do, do you know off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. So uh, we kick off, actually, with a triple header um, on Friday, July 6th. And then um, championship night is um, on July 17th, and this will be the first year that all 30 teams are going to be at uh, summer league. And in fact, we are going to be producing um, 82 games in total, a whole full NBA wow. season in, in two week spans. Yes. Us basically uh, you can see games on ESPN, ESPN two, uh, ESPN U, and then also NBA TV. So um, it's, 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 it's amazing though. If you haven't, gotten a chance to go to summer league and you're an NBA fan. I, I couldn't um, recommend it more because it the, you have an opportunity to just sit next to LeBron James and CP three and have, and, and walk with them through the hallways between the two gyms as you watch, you know, Deandre Ayton um, go off, uh, you know, against maybe Michael Porter jr. Yep. So it's, it's just a really relaxed environment. The coaches are there, and there's no there's no pressure. Everyone's just um, it, it's just it, it's just a really fun time um, to to be around the league and to enjoy just just fun basketball. And I, I've enjoyed it. I've been this will be my third year, and um, you know I it was really kind of my boot camp into my first for two full seasons on the NBA sidelines and. It was it, it was incredible because I mean I'm doing two to three games in a day, um, interview after interview, and the way it's set up is because there's so many people milling around. We're doing the games. We're also trying to talk to as many people as possible, coaches, GMs. You know, uh, uh, a lot of the players stop by to watch uh, watch their rookies, and so that's that's the feel of um, uh, of of summer league. It's just uh, constant um, interaction with with the league as a whole yeah it's it's exciting it's it's definitely something that uh, i want to come check out for myself so uh just to uh just to hit your resume a little bit just kind of looking through your through your background it it looked like it looks like you liked and still kind of like maybe dabbling in uh in behind the scenes production and i'm just curious um, did, did you ever have for you personally, like, was there a, ever a conflict uh, of uh, do I want to be on air or behind the scenes? Or have you always tried to kind of figure out how to how to do a little bit of everything? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I have always had a desire to um, be a part of the creative and production process. And I think that's a you know, I, I owe that to um, my interest in, in production and being a part of, um, you know, the planning and the creative of any shows that I'm working on. I think that has helped me along the way in my, um, you know, eight years that I've been at ESPN and even before then. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think I, you know, maybe down the line, um, I, I would still want to get into production 
Wow. Uh, there, there were times that I, um, you know, did uh, both. You know, before I was at ESPN, I was uh, I was um, working as a reporter for Fox Sports South in Atlanta. Yep. Um, I would fly to Atlanta on Tuesdays, and then I would do a show on um, on Thursday, and then go to a different SEC school, and then I would come back and I would work as a associate producer Sunday, Monday, Tuesday at Comcast Sportsnet Chicago, which is now NBC Five um, Sports in Chicago. So, and then that was like one of the best times of my, uh, of, you know, my young career because I was able to kind of do both. Um, and I think a big part of when I was, uh, doing NBA tonight, um, you know, I, me and our, our producers, Jeff Anderson, Bruce Bernstein, you know, we were, we were the production team. We, um, it was the creative was all on us to help, um, you know, put the show together. And I think that's important. If you're in charge of hosting the show, I know Rachel Nichols is, is, is a huge part of uh, the creative process of the show. Um, yep. I, I just think you have to be. Um, and in order to continue to be successful in this business that is constantly changing, you need to know um, how everything works. Uh, and so you can communicate effectively with uh, your producers and directors um, and not just assume that, you know, anything you want can just be done like that. Um, so I, I just, I just find the value in um, understanding behind the scenes uh, only helped me um, as, as, a, as an on-air commentator. So I, I definitely love it. And I, and I, and it's something that I always want to be a part of my identity on air um, and, you know, uh, at ESPN for sure. You know, in addition to your, into your on-air duties, you, 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 you dabble in a lot of digital stuff, including the, uh, the, the sports center for Snapchat for ESPN. And uh, I'm sure your, your production background helps you there as well. Can you, can you just talk about briefly what that experience has been like and, and, uh, and how it's going and, and, you know, what, what people like me should be looking for there and how we should be thinking about that as a uh, alternative way to consume sports center. Yeah. I mean, it has been, it's so fun to work on sports center Snapchat because I mean, the group of not only the producers, but um, all of the different hosts um, <laughs> are just, everyone's different. And uh, it, it's fun because I, you know, I used to host sports center for um, three years. And, you know, I, I, I miss calling highlights at times. Yeah. Um, and, and, but this sports center Snapchat is, is very different than um, sports center on television because obviously our demographic, we're going for, you know, the, the young uh, preteen and teen and, um, you know, 20s audience um, who have short attention spans and, you know, like uh, the fun quirky videos, which you know, are there's a abundance of that uh, all over the internet. So, you know, it's it's it, it's actually really um, helped me uh, be able to you know tap back into my creative side because I do I write all of us write our own scripts um, and kind of you know find ways to insert all the different clips um, that you know we find relevant or fun um, to you know throughout the night or um, the next day and. Uh, you know, it, the, it's been received really well. I mean, we were nominated for an Emmy, um, and the, like the viewership, we average, you know, two million views a day. I mean, that nice. is that. I mean, that that is 
those are some major numbers. And, um, you know, I just think it's like a really fun way to digest sports news. Uh, in, even if it's not the nitty gritty news, you're still getting a, a good dose of, um, you know, what, what's happening in the landscape of sports. Uh, with, with being thoroughly entertained, if I don't say so myself. I mean, some of our um, hosts are just, they're just naturals at it, like Elle Duncan and, and, yep. and Katie Nolan. Um, and, you know, we have, it's just, the, you could see just a different side of them um, because it's, it's basically monologue form. And we're just, we're ro- rolling through all the fun videos. It's kind of like, think about, um, you know, when we're just uh, you're showing all the fun clips from sports Twitter and, and social media. Um, it's, uh, it, it's like talk suit, but for sports media and with, with also some um, pertinent information and stats, because, you know, that's also entertaining when you can find out, you know, uh, if uh, LeBron James breaks yet another record. So um, I, I, it's been a really great experience and um, I'm so proud to be a part of that family. So, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm pretty much your, your stereotypical old man on Twitter. Like I, I don't, uh, mm-hmm. I use Twitter. I don't really use Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, or any of that other stuff. So I'm just curious, like what is for you personally, what's the biggest social media platform that you use and, and have the biggest exposure on? Well, I, I think it varies. Um, I think, um, you know, for like in my, how I consume, um, the NBA and, and sports is, is what you're asking me or, you know, how I get my, what, what I feel like I'm, I personally are more exposed on. Uh, I met, I, for, I, I really meant the latter, but I'm happy to hear your thoughts on the former as well. Oh, um, I, you know, I think it's just, it's a mixture of the three. I mean, the, the fact that I host a show on Snapchat, um, it, you know, like I, I, I don't really have a, an official title on, on Twitter or, or Instagram. Um, but I, I think when it comes to, I, I use all three of them in very, very different ways. Um, and I think with, with Twitter, I've, it, Twitter has really been, um, you know, a huge asset to me in my career. I mean, it's a big reason why I feel like, um, I've had a career because I, I started off, but I graduated from, Northwestern in 2007 so that's kind of when Twitter was just kind was just launching yep. and I got one of my first jobs um, working for a, a sports production company uh, called Intersport and we were working on on-demand um, content for Sprint mobile phones and this is back when they were flip phones yeah but you could go on your phone and you could kind of like um, you know Netflix style you know, draw up a, a, a clip that um, we had um, Drew Rosenhaus actually, uh, you know, do some NFL commentary on like some of his clients. And, you know, I would produce um, a lot of those clips and people, you know, anyone who was interested in that. And then I started hosting like daily sports reports anyway. So that was the start of my career. And then um, my big on air break was as a social media reporter for um, a college football show where I was reading tweets um, wow. on the air. And back, back then it was, you know, that was in 2009. Like that felt like entertaining because, you know, it was still new to a lot of people. Like, yep. Oh, wow. We can get direct, you know, feedback from people right now live. 
and you know I would put up um, kind of blogs up on Facebook for people to to um, comment back and forth about what was happening in SEC football every week. So that was like my first um, in my early exposure to you know finding ways to reach the audience and um, in you know effective and entertaining ways. So then that carried over to my experience at ESPN, where I was a digital host for ESPN3, which yep. was, we were simulcasting. So that's, I've been in the digital space for a very long time. And then when I went for the, for the majority of my um, early career, and then when I transferred over to the linear side, um, I think it really helped me when I, when I took over for NBA Tonight, and I became the host for that for three years, um, I really used Twitter as a way to help uh, the producers and I figure out what is most important to talk about. You know, I was able to plug into the NBA Twitter conversation on a nightly basis um, and, you know, kind of get a, um, a, a finger on the pulse of like, what, what would be the most interesting lead story? Most people, you know, were infatuated with a Giannis block over, uh, you know, Grizzlies game winner. Right. So we need to show that first um, for the people who are not on NBA Twitter because, you know, we're getting this information saying that this is what people are caring about tonight. So um, I use Twitter as a huge tool uh, to just kind of understand, you know, what people care about, what, you know, what are the different personalities across the league. And with Instagram, I think it's just an easy way to consume um, video um, and highlights. And I think the NBA is uh, – is, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but is the best league when it comes to um, consumable highlights because, A, you know, you have all of these players are not wearing helmets, so you can see all their facial expressions. Yeah. You can see the little movements they're making. And so, you know, a quick 15-second video of, you know, JR dapping up Jason Terry on the sidelines and play still going on blows up. You know, because and that's something you're like, oh, my God, another Jr. Or even just a little video of Jr. saying, oh, I thought we were up, you know, gives you a storyline that you just like that, that just extends the, um, yeah. the depth of how you consume and the NBA. So um, I guess, you know, that's a long answer for I just I, I'm my whole career. Uh, has been um, in and around social media. And so, you know, I don't really know any other way to consume sports um, and to be a part of sports than to have it be on multiple screens. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Infinite memes. So, uh, yes. so I, I want to get you out of here talking a little bit of a WNBA. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, one one thing that makes me actually very optimistic uh, for the WNBA in general, is sort of the reverence uh, that uh, the people from the NBA, both players and coaches, uh, speak mm. about the WNBA and the uh, and the players and the game that they're playing. So just just brainstorm a little bit, like how can we leverage all that to get more people watching the WNBA? Well, I just I think it comes down to just like the NBA, why the NBA is so healthy is because we have so many great stars that are um, that people care about and that are entertaining. And um, I think that's the biggest thing with the WNBA. We're we're learning more and more about these stars. We're seeing Maya Moore um, 
with a huge billboard with their arms stretched out like Michael Jordan. And, you know, little girls are seeing that. Um, it's just like when I grew up. I mean, I just hosted, um, you know, studio uh, raps with uh, Lisa Leslie yesterday. And, I, you know, I meet a lot of famous athletes. But I'm looking over at Lisa Leslie. I'm like, wow, that's Lisa <laughs> Leslie. You know, like, and, she, and she looks the exact same. I mean, she's found the fountain of youth. I, I, I was trying to get, you know, find out what kind of vitamins she was taking yesterday because she looks like she is 20 years old, like how she was when I was watching her growing up. And, you know, the WNBA, when I was growing up, all those, those big stars, the Cheryl Swoops, I had, I had air swoops, you know, you just, I think that's with any sports league, you've got to invest in, you know, your your stars and your personality. So people latch on and and care about what Candace Parker is doing and care about what Diana Taurasi is doing and care about what Mecca Agumake is doing. There's so many big names in the WNBA right now. And I think they're doing a really good job of um, showcasing their stars. Um, you know, you see Skylar Diggins on, on commercials and, yep. um, you know, getting the blessings of not only people in the NBA world, but, in, you know, in the hip hop world, her signing with, you know, Rock Nation. It's just these kind of stories I think are important. And, and then also it's just the conversation. We need NBA people to continue to give the blessing to the WNBA that it is good basketball to watch. And we're seeing that. I mean, the audience yep. is up. 58 percent um early season and you know we've had great matchups uh you know one of the first games that um i did this year was you know uh neka agumake against her sister chanae agumake and and you know the sun surprisingly are the number one team um in, in the league right now so there's just there's just so i think if you really just take the time to just look up and recognize that this, this game is real, and the stars are entertaining. Um, I think this—I I think we're, you know, venturing into a, a really good time for the WNBA with stars. Um, the stars are, are, are making it unavoidable to um, to pay attention. Absolutely. Hey, Cassidy, thanks very much for joining the podcast. I really enjoyed it. Me too. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Thanks again to Cassidy Hepworth for joining the podcast. She was a lot of fun to talk to, and uh, you can catch Cassidy this Monday, this coming Monday, June 18th, at uh, 8 p.m. ET on ESPN2 in the uh, NBA Draft on the Clock special. Again, that is Monday, June 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, and you can also catch her on WNBA and, uh, and the NBA Summer League telecast coming up in July. Thanks for listening.